New location, new guest, folks. It's the Power Passion Podcast with our mate George. Hello, are we? Good. Uh, George, tell us a little bit about yourself, my man. You're uh, our guest yeah, today. I am a student at the moment. I'm studying at ECU, doing a course. Mm-hmm. Um, about me, I'm just your average Zimbabwean teenager, I could say. Um, what is it? I enjoy, to be fair, as you guys probably know, finance, mm-hmm. self-help, and a little bit about relationships. Beautiful. Before we, before we dive into it, I just want a brief disc- disclaimer to the users at home. Obviously, this is uh, financial knowledge, but we're not financial advisors. We are not qualified to uh, do such. But at the same time, Georgie Boy is very passionate in this field, and we're going to dive right into it. I'm really excited about this topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. Now, Georgie Boy, what was the moment where you kind of realized, okay, I want to do this, I want to get into entrepreneurship, finance, I wanted to dive into this world. Was there a book? Was there a video that you watched? Is there a moment? It was like, so coming out of high school, knowing I was going up to uni, so at the moment I was working at like McDonald's, and I had pretty young, like McDonald's is a pretty horrible job, but I was working hey, everybody there. does it, man. Exactly, <laughs> but you start from somewhere, you know, mm. and ever since I was young, I was always driven by money, that's why I went out and got myself a job, mm-hmm. but over the holidays, because I was a lot older, they wouldn't give me day shifts, so I said, no, yeah. I'm going to go on night shifts. When you're on night shifts, you're literally by yourself and you're thinking a lot, and when I was seeing the pages coming in, I just thought to myself, there's got to be another way because oh, the way yeah. I'm making money is. Oh like, yeah, I, I can see this now. I think now. that's a relatable exactly. feeling. Larry, man. Larry, I know you thinking what I'm thinking. There's kind of this minimum wage frying chips experience, oh, yeah. rags to riches, story in the making it, kind of Everybody thing. Everybody yeah. does it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can like, picture the movie. With there's no shame in it. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like that that kind of environment is so systematized in terms in terms of franchise. Oh yeah. In the way in which it just really gives people their first jobs. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I mean, also that's a resume experience. You could say you did transactions for a multi-million dollar company. You're going to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So even when I was with us, I was working and I was was like, I've got to get money somehow. And I was always online on YouTube looking up different stuff. And Mm -hmm. then I came across this um, video. I think this guy's name is Richard Kiyosaki. And he was just like saying, like he was explaining assets liabilities and money and misconceptions and it was like a straightforward approach. Rich Dad Porter? Yeah, Rich Dad Porter. Okay, yeah. So basically ah. it, was, it was this video and then my friend who was um was talking to me said, read the book. So I was never a big reader but I said, you know what, I'll give it a go. Yeah. First semester in uni on the train it was a long ride up. I'd be reading the book and then one of the days as I was reading the book, it finally clicked to me and it was just the way he put it was in layman's terms and it basically showed you the common sense approach finance which not many people know mm. realize or they think that it's doable what, and would you care to share what's the common it was like um, uh, larry and i would like to know uh, yeah we definitely I, uh, know. I, I would like to i'd like a little just, bit of consent uh, i would like to financial you know, common sense of course have a dinner at the casino once in a while oh yeah, um, yeah <laughs> hey like, man hey man i mean you can't always just put all your money in the casino you got to think of something a little bit can't bigger put it just on red but no, we're, we're about to hear yeah. it now. we're about to hear it mm. but it was like you basically put up and said you've got things that are assets and you've got things that are liabilities. So now when you ask the average person, what's a liability or what's an asset, sorry, mm. they'll be like to you, oh, well, my car's an asset, my house is an asset. I'm like, mm. not quite actually. And I'm like, if your house is on a mortgage and you're a car, mm. it's actually a liability. It's an expense because mm. it's losing you money. Anything that's actually making you money is an asset. Yeah. So then people think about it carefully and they're like, if you look at it carefully, your job doesn't actually count purely because it's like you actually have to go and do that. Mm. Anything where you don't touch and it makes you money, that's an asset. The general gist of it was, if you've got all the money coming in, you want more assets, so it makes more money where you have to work less, and basically have more assets, less liabilities. And then when you put it into that state of mind, I then thought, I was like, so basically what you're saying is just acquire assets. 
and then that's what sparked it. And I was like, okay, cool. What's an asset? I was I was fascinated because I was curious to bring it up. Obviously, you've got car a car which is a depreciating asset. Mm. Tesla was in the headlines today, especially Elon Musk, and he was saying what that did he do? He was saying that his cars with their self-driving technology would be an appreciating asset over time, mm. which due to the incremental incremental you know rapid improvement with technology, some would argue. I mean, if there's more improve self-driving software in the future, which there will be. Oh, yeah. How is that an appreciating asset? I, I just don't view a car as an appreciating asset over time I unless think, it's a luxury car. I think most mechanics can say to themselves, you know, that a car is basically, it's going to depreciate almost instantly. Exactly. And, you know, a lot Boat's of people, worse. Oh, boat's yeah. worse, yeah. You can just see how the difference between both petroleum and diesel and how they both, one has sort of still steadily risen and the other one's gone completely. Yeah. Diesel's just dead, isn't it? Exactly. In the water. Well, what's, uh, what, what would you say to our viewers at home? What is a good, steady asset? And again, we're not financial advisors, yeah. but what is one good, steady asset that if you were to put money on it, you would put money on it? Me personally? Yeah. I'm talking personally. I personally think if you want a good asset, there's, there's honestly, it's, it, there's a lot. To be fair honest with you, there's a lot you can put money in. Mm -hmm. And like I remember Warren Buffett saying, you, you you can honestly put money everywhere, whatever you want, but you've actually got to find your area specifically yourself, mm. and you've got to know your area back to front, like you've got to know your area specifically. Mm. Me personally, I've been around, I've looked at real estate, I've looked at stocks, I've looked at everything, That's and it. personally the one which I'm looking at is dividend stocks, because right. I feel like it's min it's not as much, um, what's it called, maintenance, right. so like I can actually have a life on the side, so you, but it's not into that one. day trading kind nah. of style where mm. you're kind of buying penny stocks and when they're high you're cashing out kind of thing, so you're more into the, I suppose, every stock that pays a dividend every like three months exactly. or quarterly or something like that. And the aim with that is that uh, as it pays out, you then buy more shares and what it is, just it kind of grows over time, mm. but with that as well, when the market like, it'll fluctuate, that's a given, it must come up, comes down. Mm. So the thing is with most people that feel like, oh, well, it's just about buying low and selling high and it's like, no, it's about buying low and selling high, but then with this one, it's more of like, you put in a long-term investment, it's when you see the market, because if you look at the long-term trend, it actually goes up over many, many years, especially like your big companies. So it's today, the S&P 500 over exactly. time consistently goes mm. up in an upward direction. Exactly. There are economic recessions once every mm. like nine to 10 years. Mm. Larry, you were gonna put it? Well, uh, suppose when a dividend goes down, mm. or any, possibly not, it's not always accountable, mm. but are there sort of warning signs to possibly people who might be investing in stock that, this is a warning sign that uh, you should definitely, definitely pick oh. up a red flag, if oh. you will. I just before George pitches in with mm. his uh, words of wisdom, I, mm. I feel the best way to detect that would be one, the media's reaction to mm. the leadership, yep. everyone's kind of outside perspective on mm. the stock, whether the stock is being shorted by any kind of financial activists, mm. and then also understanding that the consensus is built into the price. Mm. So if it's undervalued and it's down, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad stock. Mm. It's cheap and you can buy it. But, I mean, I don't know what George was going to input there. Well, with what you were saying, the second bit I can agree with, but with the first bit, because I've read um, Intelligent Investor, mm -hmm. and the number one thing is the speculation. I've seen a lot of people that go into stocks, and I have personal people that tell you, don't go into stocks, stocks to trap, and I'm like, but why? They say, because I was reading up on this website, I was doing on this website, I was like, no, 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 no. When you're doing that, you're going off of speculation. Now, mm. when people who do stock trading properly or investing, 10% of their money is on speculation, because to be fair, most of what we are doing is speculation. Mm. But when you look at it carefully and you look at like the results and whatever, I'm not sure specifically what it is, but in companies, right? Like you will look at a company, they value it. The so yeah, so like with stocks, it'll be more of like, um, there's certain indicators where it's like, 
they were speaking about, I think someone was speaking about how much the stock is valued or how much money they're making or whatever. That's where you can kind of look at it and be like, okay, cool. This is what I'm looking at specifically. Forget about what the news and the media is saying to you about the stock, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. Because yeah. that's all just whatever. Like, yeah. What you want to yeah. do is you look at the numbers themselves, what the business is doing and mm. how they're performing. Mm. And let's say you've got a dividend stock. A dividend stock paying you maybe 1% or low. To be fair, that's actually very, very, it's not actually a bad thing, getting a low dividend. But like, if you see a stock that's paying you a lot of like a very, very high dividend, I've been told that that sometimes is an indication that the stock could actually be about to go bankrupt or whatever, okay. and it depends. But there's no really like an indication, it's just a matter of you kind of got to watch and see what's going on. But okay. usually like, another thing which is good to look at is like how the company is going. Obviously, the media does kind of have a little bit of essence on how it goes, mm. but it usually is just fluctuations. But as long as the trend is going up, you'll usually be fine. Mm. But it just depends, to be fair. But like, you, you do have to look at mainly your numbers and your charts and what's happening over time mm. and the values. And then there's certain like calculations you can do to see whether the dividend you're getting is good, the dividend is bad, or what the situation of the company is. On speculation, I was just curious, mm. George, when it comes to the financial advice, say, for example, if Tim Cook drops the next iPhone and a financial analyst will look at the product, break it down, whether it's an underwhelming or overwhelming mm. product, that would probably justifiably be by a tech, tech expert's mm. advice uh, credible, I suppose. Suppose, hypothetically, that a product is assessed, but it's not by, say, a tech expert, and they're just doing it purely from a marketing perspective. Then it would be very biased information. Mm. Yeah. Do you feel selling. as if biased information does eventually fluctuate or change the level in which stocks and finance uh, occur? Well, with some stock, it's more so like, mm. like I said before, it's about how much the company's making. Mm. So for example, with Apple, you know for a fact is they're about to pull out a new phone. Not mm. all the time, but there are going to be fluctuations mm. depending on how well it does. So they pull out the phone, they've always put the investment into making these phones are coming out. Mm. The success of those phones, sometimes causes a little fluctuation, sometimes it'll dip, sometimes it'll drop, mm. depending on how well maybe consumers buy mm. and yeah. how much they're making off them. But in the general gist of it, it'll, whatever what must come up will come down, what goes yeah. up will yeah. come back up with these. It, but these are mostly big, big stocks. So I'm talking like maybe Apple, Coca-Cola, yeah. the big companies that you know no matter what happens, they're still going to be stable. It's curious because with Apple, when it comes to the phones, they are built to last. Which means that are they, they have to. No. Well, a lot of them are six years, and the fact that they're not. Six years long enough, though. Let me stress my point. <laughs> the point. The point being is they last around six years, meaning that people are allowed to buy secondhand phones, which means they allowed to. They're going to more a more software subscription model. If you look at everything that Apple's releasing right now, Apple TV, mm. Apple News, this is all subscription mm. software based stuff. I haven't seen, maybe they've got in, in the background, I don't know, maybe the new phone's about to be unveiled, but I'm just saying, if we're going to compare that to another good, I know there are inbuilt deficiencies within products to get us to buy more, but I'm cautious to say that Apple phones are better or worse than other tech devices. I think that's fair enough to say. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I, I bet, of course, you know, Apple's not the only tech company out there. And what does make a healthy uh, financial market and a healthy financial system is more competition and allowing more competitors to compete. Um, George, correct me if I'm wrong, do you feel as if there is enough competition lately or are these big companies becoming just a bit too big for their boots and basically are almost quashing the competition and thereby maybe possibly deflating the... Uh, the uh, value of, of certain trades and goods. 
But I feel like with it, especially with like Apple, mm. because of the fact that Apple's are just the phone. They've got a mm. laptop, they've got a system. So the thing is, if you've got Apple or the phone, you're more likely to have things to get all these other devices so it links up together mm. and that's how we're building it. So for some people, you know the Android people or the Apple people. Yeah. So the thing is with these companies, it's down to the point where it's like, I feel like the two big ones for me personally that I see are Samsung and Apple and how they link their devices together. Mm. But I feel like more so, it's usually Apple's, they stand by themselves and they have their system. But then with Androids, Androids can interlink with all different other stuff. So with it, I feel like the, the reason why Apple, I think, is mainly maybe higher than my other companies, probably because they've built a system where it's purely but them. You know if I, mean? I, I think I want to stress, but I just want to reiterate this. If I was to start a smartphone company tomorrow and call it High Tech Solutions, whatever, yeah. generic name, mm. homogenous, mm -hmm. probably not the best name. Mm. But if I was to create a smartphone mm. and try to get to get it to economies of scale, now are these big companies so entrenched with the environment that I am uncompetitive by comparison, and the opportunities are less serendipitous for me to succeed against Apple, long, 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 long term? If we're talking long, long, long term, I feel like with Apple, I think it's once again it's like um. I'm not, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I believe in names. And TBH, if you look at like some of the, like, I'll give you an example. Mm, I know someone was buying a car, yeah? So the, the same car that you can get from, let's say, Toyota, you then can get the same one from Subaru, or you can get it from like a more expensive company. They're the same car, the one company has made it, but three different brands on it. But the thing is, you're gonna pay more for this brand because of the stigma behind, like you said, pay more yeah. for Mercedes. But you can get the same car from Hyundai, which is the same thing. Mm. So with phones, I feel like if you are coming into the game, you'd have to be like, first of all, I've got to bring something which is different, which no one has seen before, yeah. to get me that kind of cloud. Okay. Mm. And then once you've built that cloud, you now have to build from the ground up and say, all right, now I'm trying to catch up these guys. Right. But with these guys, you can't really say you're going to just it's, bring out. Phones I think I think what Larry's coming with that too is. Yeah, I, when it comes to the innovation with a new firm that's creating smartphones, mm. you need to be on the money. Mm. But a lot of the problem to which entails competition is these companies have got so much monopoly, they are able to essentially duplicate the technology like that because of their access to distributors, suppliers, mm. and etc. that it, it is very difficult to start within a very saturated market. Mm. I mean, there must be an entire market that or a entire branch or division of Apple itself that if they look at anything that's new or innovative, they just instantly take all the rights away uh, for that patented design and then they just incorporate it into the new yeah, Apple. Exactly. And then we've got to ask ourselves, you know, what's exactly new about the newest variation of Apple? And does is is has Apple become so big and so trenched in its ways that it thinks it owns the entire market without being innovative in any way? Therefore, correct yeah, me if yeah, I'm wrong, that was probably depreciating in the market because of its lack of innovation and its lack of progressiveness. But what I like, what I'm saying is all that mm. is all on your point. Mm. Because they've become so big and like they're very big in the market, mm. I've noticed that like, for example, the price of the phone has progressively gone up. Mm. And like maybe in the first years, okay, I'll see there was a massive difference in mm. where we've come from. But then maybe in the last five or six years, there's not really much difference that I've seen is being made that justifies them increasing the price. But what it is is just because we're so used to it. Mm. It's the phone, and you know, as soon as new one comes out, you have to upgrade. Their and profits are so inbuilt. Like exactly. the phone mm. is a large portion of their profits yeah. entirely. And the other thing with that too, when it comes to an iPhone, is what we got to understand is that it, it, it's reached that point of kind of diminishing innovation. It's, you think to yourself, okay, where does it go from now? Are we gonna get 
touch screens? Is there going to be some sort of projected hologram where I'm like texting? But is that even necessary? It's kind of gimmicky in a way. Isn't there it? aren't that many science fiction books that you could take yeah. sort of prints <laughs> from anymore. So, you know, I think I think Apple's in the real interesting position where if they do copy technology from, say, even a, a fictitious source, or they do come up with anything innovative, mm. there are also competitors that will copy that exactly, but will do it for cheaper. I mean. We could say to ourselves, uh, you know, what's the what's the value of an Apple or an iPhone over just an Android? And as um, George said, you know, Android does communicate with a lot more uh, technology a- than Android's say, more functional, yeah. I suppose. Apple's more aesthetic and mm. consumer friendly. Yeah, for those In a way, at home, I am a, an Android user. Oh, I'm, an, I'm, 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 I'm a hybrid, hybrid Android hybrid, kind of yep. stuff like that. George, now. Real estate, why was that a no-go zone? Because you looked into that, mm. you had a look into it, what was the main um, reason? Real estate for me was more so because like, like I said, money. I, at the moment, you know, broken shouldn't, I think we've all, mm. either we're already there, we're about to be there, mm. or we've finished it, but I never looked into real estate purely because I was like, well, at this stage I'm in my life, I think more so for me it's about building that money. Mm. Whether it be next 10 years, I need to kind of build a bit of money. Mm. Real estate for me is something that'll come later on. I feel like, well, you know, I've got the money there mm. and it's not moving around. But what actually bought me real estate, first of all, is because my, because my father would be telling me about, you know, houses and how, like, Let's be real here, like if you are at a young age and you you know just start working, like I've got friends now that do five yeah. and they have all this money and they just spend it out and I'm like, what's the harm in starting a mortgage? And then I'd say, ah, oh, mortgage, just later on, whatever. But I'm like, real estate is something where if you've got a house, even though the price may fluctuate or whatever, but you do have something mm. that you own. And usually the, the money on a house is actually really good and something that you own. Mm. So I was looking at it, I'm just like, well, you know, real estate's good in the sense that like, you know, you can own, but the thing is with, let's say you're renting out a house, you've got a house, you're owning it, you rent it out, you're gonna have money coming in, and you mm. can kind of—it was a good way to build up. And once yeah. you start real estate, you can build your way up and up and up over time. Mm. But obviously, like I said, nothing is always guaranteed. You're gonna have blips and whatever. But if you're someone who knows what you're doing, I like the idea about what I liked about it was I could have myself a house, have it buy it, rent it out. But then as I'm getting rent from, let's say, one house which is paid off, you then do another one. Mm. Like um, I worked at McDonald's, I worked at the guy who owned it was I worked the son, mm. and the way he started was he had um, it was like he was coming out of uni. And I think he had half the money. Yep. So then they said, the other people said, okay, you've got half of, I think you've got to have like, I think they said, you use eight million to get a McDonald's, but you got to have like, worked there for 10 years and you got to have like one yeah. million. Mm. So someone else put on a million up before him so then they could take a loan for six million. Mm. Right. And then this first was one which I worked that was June Lock one. So he started that and he built it up, if I'm not mistaken. And as he built it up, he's, um, I think he's got six or seven stores now, he's put up a couple of them. But what he did is, as he's worked up, like he's getting the revenue back in, and it's paying it off. Right. And then once he's paid off about half of this, he's doing to build another one, and he builds another one, he builds another one. So maybe for him now in his life, he's obviously living quite well off and whatever he's enjoying. Yeah. It. But they're still like they're progressively because McDonald's, McDonald's, everyone's gonna get it. You know what I mean? Well, the other thing too with McDonald's is a large part of that business structure is land. Yeah, they, McDonald's they, makes they, the majority of their Jeez. money from retail, so it's, not it's from rent, real yeah. estate, obviously. Literally, I mean, you can't exactly make hundreds of millions of billions of dollars from burgers. No, okay. no, no. <laughs> I mean, there's only so much Big Macs that I can buy yeah, on it. a cheap day. Yeah. I'm a poor starving <laughs> student, mate. I can only afford so many exactly. Big Macs. Exactly. <laughs> what I noticed was, I remember who it was, I think it was the founder of it, and he's mm-hmm. like, what made you so successful with um, McDonald's? And he says, I, wasn't, I don't sell burgers, I don't sell food, mm-hmm. I sell real estate. And that's basically what it is. Like I'm pretty sure in some place in America, his, you'll uh, find three of them on one block. His yeah. name is Ray Kroc, and it was hilarious because he kind of found this restaurant that was doing shakes, from what I remember the story. 
and these two brothers had designed this shakes and burgers, shakes and burgers, and hot dogs. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, the the story, as the story goes, he finds these two brothers, and this this fast food outlet was was happening. It was mm. the place to be driving kind of fast food that was the thing back in in those days yeah. so he took that system implemented it implemented it and he kept giving the brothers less and less control and he eventually oh, yeah. cut them out yeah i mean uh, ray, ray Kroc was the pioneer of the franchise yeah. life that is mcdonald's yeah. that we know today mm. he's not the you know the the 100 percent founder i'd say yeah yeah i would man so people tough. made a movie out of that, or what? They have made a movie out of that. What I will say, people say, yeah, what he did do was a little bit shady, but from reading the book, um, I think it was The 50 Laws of Power, mm. and it was, uh, it was, I can't remember who wrote it, but... Robert Greene? Robert Greene, that's the one, yeah. And when he speaks about him, he's like, what you got to understand is in the world, I think this is when he was talking about, like, now they have hierarchies and stuff. Sure. If you notice, like... We love hierarchies on the show. We, we love hierarchies. We, 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 we went really far with the hierarchy with the last like, show. He was talking about it, and he's like, going, people, like, most of the people you see moving up in businesses, man, some of them don't have degrees, some of them don't have anything. It's just because of the way they maneuver the laws yeah. of power and the way they move up. And that's mm. just how he said it. And he says, it's like if two people in a boxing ring, you're not really going to get angry at him for punching him. That's what he's supposed to do. Mm. So I feel like as bad as it is what he does, some of these people, when they get into this and you want to move up, you sometimes do have to take moral out of the, you know... So morality has to die sometimes. Not all the time. All the time. All the time. I feel yes, a lot of the big business tycoons. There is a difference in morality. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say every business is completely ethical. Yeah, exactly. But it, I suppose <laughs> I, I feel it's almost as though a businessman will get to a certain point in their life where they've said, "Okay, I got here by unjust means. I've got this amount of money. Now I'm going to give back to the community because I feel guilty." And maybe a little bit empty inside. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I think, yeah, I, I forget his name, but the um, French billionaire who married Selma Hayek. So recently, of course, the Notre Dame Cathedral just burned yes. recently. Yes, tragic. So he's, of course, being a French citizen, being very patriotic, he's like a multi-billionaire. He can be like, yeah, I'll donate $100 million to rebuild it. That'll cover most of the costs of it. This, I'm yeah. like, you know, you get to bank Selma Hayek, I reckon, yep, yep, you've paid your dues. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, $100 million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no Selma some, some Hayek's an interesting story, interesting story. It is an interesting story. <laughs> you are got to say that. Yeah, no, George, George. I, I, I was just curious. Mm. What do you think is the most important advice from a university student's perspective? If you had to do it again, say it was you're one day away from university. You've been given Wi-Fi connection, you've been given the internet, or you've been given this three to four year career pathway from a degree. Now, knowing what you know now, if you still had that information, would you make the same move? Is it justifiable that a person can almost educate themselves and then deal with the harsh realities of the world, go from zero to one and make it, or I suppose would you still make the safe bet? I think personally with me because of like where we've grown up, I've grown up seeing a mum and dad that had you know a job and yep. they work. Everyone, most of us grow up with that. Mm. So me personally, when I thought about this, I always, I, I'm someone who's a big believer in security. I'm, yeah. I love my security and yeah, sometimes yeah. it does, I'm not a big risk taker to be fair honest with you, right. but when I looked at it, if I'd go back, I'd be like to myself, first of all, you're going into this course, I'd like to myself, you, you, I'll honestly be like to myself, this is not the course for you. Because I started off with another course that you hear at Curtin, yeah. and it just wasn't the course for me. And I yeah. said to myself, you know what, this isn't the course for you. And I was like, 
I, I get it in my mind that understand that you what I'm doing now as a course, it's so I have a job. But understand this, this isn't what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life. Mm. You, what you want to do is if you do want to be someone who I feel like my, myself personally, what sure. I want to do is like, sure. I want to do a course where enough, if I do it, I'm going to finish it mm. and I'm going to have a job at the end. A job which pays a decent salary, which yeah. I can look after a family or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. then when you finish, you'll probably finish like what, 21, 22? Yeah. You've now got, for most of us guys, we're not going to be thinking about that until we're 30. Yeah. And I said to myself, if I have this job security here, that's one less thing to worry about. It then gives me the time to have all this income coming in. I've got it on the table. I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. Hopefully, we'll see how we go here. Yeah. 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 Hopefully, hopefully not. Hopefully, not. We hope not. We hope not. Shit, you're not telling me. I've got this income coming in. I'm like, this is now my time because I see many people that say, you know what, I'm going to go traveling, I'm going to whatever. And a lot of people, maybe it's for them, but money goes to waste. I've seen people do all the time. They throw money on cars and whatever. And I'm like, I'd much rather take this money, gamble it in the stock real estate, whatever. Take these harsh lessons now about money, and as I go, if I do it for nine years straight, I'm gonna take lessons, I'm gonna take losses. Yeah. I'm gonna lose money, but you see, I'm gonna lose this money and get a lesson from it, or lose it and get nothing from it. Oh, mm. By the end of the 30 years, I feel like I'll be in a position where it's yeah. like, because yeah. a lot of these people, they will have failed numerous times, but they're willing to do that. Yeah. And if you give yourself, like, if you fail a lot of times, so if you fail for like 10 years straight, something will come of it in the end. You'll learn lessons, like, in some of the harsh lessons which I am still yet to learn, because I'm still young. I'm more than happy to go to. And the thing is with me as well, it's also giving out that money which you're willing to waste. Like if it's money which you know you're gonna like throw in the club or whatever, mm. that's the money you put there and say, let's do something stupid with mm. it. Instead of going yeah. here and go gamble, let's put it here and let's go and let's try doing something I, like whatever. I, I, I almost want to re-ask the question. George, <laughs> where do you get your energy from? Yeah. Where do you get your energy from? You're the most passionate person we've had on the gut. Yeah, we should have had you from that day dot. Enthusiasm of him. It's like radiating off me. I feel so energetic right now. Man, you got to tell us. I mean, you know, as as a student and in being of the age group that you are, do you think it's easier for uh, people of our age to, to invest? Do you think it's a bit harder than it used to be? Do you think there's a lot of uh, uh, like a lot of worries? Or is it just kind of like whingy millennials just being whingy and, and not honest, going for it? Honestly, I think that it's very, 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 like, it's not... It's it's actually a lot easier nowadays because you've got the computer, man. Mm. Like Warren Buffett will tell you, the resources which you guys have, like I do audiobooks at the moment because I don't have the time, but you've got these resources, you've got audiobooks, you've got this, there's all these resources here for you to find out, you know? You're obviously still going to take a long where that's a part of the game. Oh, yeah. We have so much resources here, but the thing is, one thing I've learned from, um, I think it was the subtle art of not giving a fuck, which yeah. is a good book. He sold yeah. you. In order to have like that, that, that was his one profanity bomb for the podcast. <laughs> he got no. it. He used it. He used it. We're well, we a good, good, good Christian channel. That's fine. That's fine. We're allowed. We're allowed. In the book, he says to you. Pain is conducive to happiness. Yeah. And some people are like, I'm like, you know what, do what you want. It's almost as good as kind of why you're thinking that it pain is. is conducive to happiness. And you is. have to experience some sort of pain in order to be truly happy. I'm, I'm unaware. Teach me some Buddhist philosophy right now. Uh, so tell me the simplicities of it. Because <laughs> oh, we obviously don't have the time, by the do way, you're, the you're, you're kind of oh, like. Let me get you started with a history lesson. Once upon, <laughs> once upon a time in a land not Look, too distant. I guess one of the first things about Buddhism, and we can relate it to finance just to make Make sure mm. it's not so so hard to keep sure. up. Is that look, your life is not going to be happy one hundred percent of the time. No, it's not. fuck fuck aiming for that. If it was, there'd be something wrong with you. Truly, it would be. In order to take those lessons, you need to take some of that little sadness, a little bit of anger, a little bit of uh, getting that, and you need to understand how to push it in the right kind of direction. I think George does that pretty so well. Almost I like think a, that's what that energy uh, is, like a man. Sigmund Freudian view of that kind of 
anger and mm. charging your other deeper desires That's towards it. other acts mm. of passion. I don't know necessarily if that is Buddhist philosophy in and of itself. I don't, I don't want to intermingle Sigmund Freud into Buddhist philosophy. My, yeah. my interpretation of, of Buddhist philosophy is that yeah. yes, life is painful. doesn't yeah, mean that it's not worth living. It just means that, yeah, it comes with a bit of pain. Okay. And one thing which I will say, though... Just, and just, finance just, can be pretty painful, I imagine. <laughs> but like, one thing I will say along with that point mm. is when I say, like, you know, pain is conducive to happiness, mm. a lot of people, like, what gives people from the book I've read, I think it was 12 Rules of Life, mm. what gives you meaning is a sense of in, in our lives. Sorry, 12, 12 Rules, Rules of Life. life. Uh, Jordan, Jordan Peterson's 12 The Jordan life. Peterson, yeah. yeah. That's the one. He's, uh, he wrote this book and I, I listened Second to it. Second time has come up. Hey, we always <laughs> like talking about the love of the king, man. And hierarchies, interestingly enough. And the way in which we believe in the Judeo-Christian. Listen, uh, yeah. clean your room. Right? Clean, clean, your room. clean your room, folks. Clean your room. Just clean your room. Have right. your back up straight. Yep. Back up straight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I think he was talking about like how in life, nothing is obviously going to go the way you want to, but the way to go through when you're in life is, we've, we've all got problems that we want to fix. Like, for example, financially, I'm not where I want to be. That's a problem to fix. And what you get meaning through life is when I'm saying, this is something I need to fix. This is something you need to fix. And you just going to go through, going through that. And you go through emotions. Like, if you've got something that you want, I ask you, are you willing to sit there and cry about it? If they say, no, I'm not willing to sit there and cry about it, then clearly you don't want it. And if you ever see yourself saying, I want this, but I don't want to put the effort in, then it's not something that you want. You didn't really want it if you didn't want to put the effort That's in. That's it. Exactly. And people say, like, oh, but I wish I was this. I wish I was like, well, yeah, but some people had to struggle and try to be there. You've got to actually really be like, what do I have to do yeah, to get to there? The wishing is just time wasted. Exactly. That's it. That's I, I was I was wondering if we want to explore this quick topic, dating in the modern age, George. If we want to go there, if we want to go there, yeah, let's go uh, there. I, I was just I was just curious because I feel as though every now and again, Larry, correct me if I'm wrong. There's always a BuzzFeed article with a woman's profile and their Tinder bio, or a man's profile with some uh, prelims. Is what I got on? I don't know. Read you. This. This. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just saying. When a woman says six foot or above, I'm kind of like. I. I think to myself, that's a little bit superficial. That's a bit aesthetic. I don't know. Man, you gotta remind yourself that human beings are very bio, biologically driven creatures. Still, yeah. I mean. Yeah. You know, women want to go for the best mate, and no offense to short guys like myself out there, but um, yeah, got to represent the short guys. But I'm not very tall. I didn't put my head up. If a guy, if a guy is tall, I mean, no, just by reaching, he could like knock your ass out just by reaching. Right. So right. it's a little bit more defensible. Maybe I kind of. So you think get it's that? more primal? I think it is more. But primal I still feel as though if a man mm. was the richest, wealthiest, most intimidating bloke. But he was five foot. Oh, women still go for him. I still yeah. think so. <laughs> I feel it's a largely due to the charisma, mm. that kind of persuasion, and the way in which you can, quite frankly, entertain. If a person's boring, I don't care who you are. I don't mm. care how much money you've got. I don't care how much life experience well, look, you've got. If a person's it won't boring, be, but he's got a lot of money, it won't be I'll try and make him interesting with like coaching lessons. <laughs> it, it won't be maintainable, I don't feel. Uh, that that's my stance on it. I'm not sure. I feel like it's a very consumerism look at dating, and that's yeah, the way it's yeah. going. And I think that that is pushed far too often in um, the modern world, especially on people of our age. Sort of yeah. thing. It's, listen, man. It's it's not all about it's not all about 
how much money you make, but money's always it always help fucking help. It's always, always a plus. Yeah. Why? But if you're boring as shit, like you said, and you, you, even yeah. though you have bank, I would be like, well, listen, no, man, do, do are you really going to? I, I was I was curious if there's an anecdote that you care to share. Is there anything um, you got got with, on this? With this, um, I've um, what I'll say is this: with like um dating especially like for girls the reason why money is like girls are so on that not all of them but most of them look at that is because what it is is basically security like back in the yeah. day it was always the biggest guy you knew you could look after your family mm. and just like look for security but the thing mm. is nowadays because of the fact of you know what we have now where you know it's not about who's got the most money because you know everyone's doing their own thing mm. what i've noticed is girls will say look i want a guy who looks like this who's like this who's like this but I read the book, I think it's The Art of Seduction, same guy, Robert Greene. Yeah, and he tells that you that like, a lot of the time when book. people fall in love with someone, it's not because, it won't be because like this person's got this that you want, it's got that what you want, because that all gets boring. Mm. What is is because we all have flaws. Mm. And when you find someone who likes your flaws and you fall with someone else's mm. flaws, and they just give you that sort of feeling or they give that excitement in your life or something different to life, that's what makes us go for someone. In a way, so, do you think that that's kind of like an emotional security? I feel like that's mm. the one. Yeah. It's, it's Casanova was brilliant. Yeah. I did read this book that he's talking about, The Art of Seduction mm. by Robert Greene, mm. and the way in which he seduced and fulfilled this woman's deep-seated emotional desire. And, I mean, Casanova would just do his business <laughs> and then flee town. You, he might have been fleeing town from boyfriends. Who knows? Who knows what I he was doing? He might have been. But back to finance. Back to finance. I was just curious, are there any kind of entrepreneurial aspirations for you in the future, George? At the moment, probably not. I feel like at the moment for me personally, it's all about what is the best way to raise capital, raise money. Mm. That's what I'm looking at. So it's investments, whatever. But when I get later on in the future, I've heard different, different things. So it just depends on what will pique my mind. Like I've been told due to the fact that matters is technology is going forward. A lot of people are saying there's a lot of gaps in the What's it got? That market. There's a lot of gaps there. There's you can have business anywhere if you know what to look for. And one thing which I I, I think is I stress the most is what do people like? What are people missing out? What do oh, people yeah. need? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not you told them they need what they need. Like we had a little idea in high school, which was for a startup. Obviously, it didn't go well. It was for right. some competition, but it was the need for like you know when you'd be like going to the shops mm-hmm. on a day to day. So we had an idea of like you get on the train and the train will direct you to the shops and you get to the shops it then it shoots you with specials or mm. markdown prices on different stuff. Mm. Think about that. And the teacher said it was a very good idea because I mean you know what it's like when you go to the shops. Yeah. You get there and then you look at it on your phone and it's like oh I've got this on it. Let me just you know let me go see this shop. The other dynamic I heard was you know you be on the train you want to go somewhere yeah. and you know you fall asleep on the train or something happens when you're in a different country you don't know where you are. Mm. This thing was like an app which would prompt you to it's like a GPS get get up here yeah. stop here whatever. We had so many different dynamics on it, which it didn't work out in the end. Right. But one thing which my which I learned from that was that if you know where the problem is, mm. find what the problem is, find what you can do to fix the problem, mm-hmm. and then now once you've got that's the first bit. Now how are we going to market it? How are we going to get it out? Mm. What are the things we're going to face, and then move forward? From Very there. interesting with that app design that you just entailed there. Mm. When it comes back to the first one, I suppose it's almost like a targeted discounting thing. Mm. And I suppose if I was walking through a Coles or Woolworths. I'd have my grocery list and then I'd look at the discounts and then I'd look back at my grocery list and I'd say, okay, which products can I get discounted today and mm. how can I save my money? It's a very, very ingenious way to look at it. I am not sure exactly what Woolworths or Coles themselves have done in terms of the app space. They haven't really got apps, but with their cards, it's like they see what you buy and whatever. I had an idea, which I thought about, I don't know, but it was more of like a, 
you have shops around you where you live, yeah? Yeah. So if you put on an app and say, look, this is what I buy on a weekly basis or on a whatever basis, and what this do with app is, it links up with different shops and what you like to buy, and basically it will shoot out a list every week of, say, these things that you buy, they're cheaper here for this reason, mm. and it gives you a list of saying, instead of me going to different shops, I'm like, if I go to IJ, I'll get these items because they're cheaper. If I go to this stop, I'll go to this stuff for cheaper. And it was like, mm. you know, systematically doing that for people because it's a lot harder to do back in the day where they had the, you have to get your book out and say, Right, let's combine this from here and here and here. And this kind of did that because I know people now who still do it. And it's mm. a, and this was about cheaper, especially when you're a uni student and you know you're living out at home for some. It's like you want to buy the cheapest food and you don't know what it is. And when you've got something that's telling you what's the cheapest, you're now saving money. A lot of people want that, but no one really has the time to go and say, look, here are the catalogs, this is mm. cheaper here, or this is doing this here. And it's just an app which kind of does that for you. Mm. But obviously, it, it, it takes like a lot, you know. I mean, it's a bit of movement, but it was an idea which I didn't have. Yeah. But obviously, different companies have their way which they shoot out. You know, Larry, yeah, what's your thoughts? Uh, it's an interesting app idea. Do you think app software is something good to invest in, or is it just too different at this stage? Uh, too too unique of a uh, kind of a. I'd almost, to invest I'd in. almost argue that it's very, very. Novel. No, Everyone's got an app. Yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't know whether it's the best investment. It just it matters in terms of scalability and user growth. Yeah. Uh, if you don't get that to scale quick enough, it really just depends on what you're doing. It, you could argue. I mean, if you look at e-commerce, e-commerce primarily just started out on websites, right? And then they've kind of designed the software easily to like a native app design on the Android store through like iOS development or cross-platform development. Mm. And I think there's also like computer language today where you can cross-platform develop in just one computer language. I think it's art or something like that. It's a very mm. ingenious thing. But you know, I don't know, I don't think we should get too wrapped up in an app per se, more the product or service or experience that the application is offering That's if we were going to go for an investment. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that would probably be more so like, it would be an investment or you can obviously do it on your own. But the thing is, the way I see apps, I see it as sort of like books. Mm. If you look at most of the books and the most of, some of the books speak about the exact same thing, but it's not about how well you write or how much you've studied. It's about how you market your book. Mm. Just like in apps, like for example, I'll give you an example, you've got Tinder, you've got Bumble, you've got all these different dating apps. But at the moment, who's at the top of the game, probably would be Tinder. And that's just purely because I think it's the first one around and the name is built mm. and that's what you're going to go for. Because no one else is using that video apps. So with these apps, it's more of like, uh, you're going to have to come up with, like Mason said, an idea or what people are going to get out of it. But when you make your app, someone else is going to make one better or whatever mm. with that app. But the aim is when you make this app with your own general idea, what's the best way to go about it is once you do it, you've got to build the name straight away. You've got to build the name. Because if you don't have the name or that kind of, you know, I feel like support, you don't really have it. Because it's like with books. You've got tons of books out there. Some of them say the exact same things. But the ones they're doing at the top, it's not you're the... I think it was um, Richard Kiyosaki said, sure. I'm not the, I'm not the, it's not because like, I'm a good writer. I'm a horrible writer. I feel mm. English. Yeah. But it's just because I'm good at marketing my books. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And things with most products now, it's not about how old your product is or how good it is. Back in the day, maybe. Nowadays, it's more about, yes, I can pull this product out. Yeah, it's good, but... Who is it going to go to? Who am I targeting? Mm. And how well is it going to do? Yeah. You know what I mean? Getting that base up. Then people sometimes forget that because they're like, I'm putting it, this is my passion, this is what I love. Yeah. yeah. Passion, what you love, then that's good. The product's good. But we also want to think about who are we targeting? 
Mm. How much are we gonna make from it? What kind of you know like who, where can we sure. go? Yeah. That's sure. what we look at. People then forget that. Mm. It's if you're on one side or the other. If you're mm. thinking too much on this side, your product's gonna be bad. But if yeah. you're thinking much on this side, you've got a good product but not enough people here yeah. and knowing that. Fair enough. Right. It's also a lot about networking, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Reaching the right people oftentimes is good. And if you're marketing a book, you really want that Oprah. You want bunch of I mean, I've, 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 I've had, had a per personal experience about that, with, especially when it comes to a book. Yeah. Best place to be is Amazon. Mm -hmm. The only problem with that is for the distribution that you get, they obviously take thirty percent of proceeds of a price of a book. And again, but back hey, to that monopoly sort of. But that's uh, that's idea, the thing. It? That's the thing. I just wanted to switch lanes here. Mm. Because I have spoken off camera with George about this before. Of course. Third wave feminism mm. and where and its place in the modern world is from a financial perspective. No, not from a, no. We're not. We're not limiting to finance. Okay. I was just. I was just switching lanes for yeah, a second. Yeah. I was just curious. Like, Larry, do you want to pitch in briefly or third wave feminism? Third wave feminism. It's, it's interesting. I mean, look, you'd have to ask yourself and ask any woman nowadays. You know what rights does a man have that you don't have? Mm. And what her response is will mm. tell you a lot about who she is as a person, what she believes. And of course everybody's allowed to believe what they want yeah. to believe. But how much practicality can third wave feminism get you in this life? I question the philosophy because I don't know how practical mm. it is for women I'll and how much it, it benefits them. I'll take it even one step mm. further. Women in the Western world, equal rights mm. as it stands the way I see it. Why? You look at Arabic countries, you look in countries where women can't drive, where their legal privileges are at least half yeah. on men. Yeah. Now that's inequality. Yeah. That needs some maybe some more radical third wave mm. feminism. Mm. In the West, no. Lifestyle circumstances, whether you want to raise a family, have children, or pursue more masculine, desirable mm. things like success in status, high mm. corporate positions, at the sacrifice of not having children. Mm. I mean that if you're very satisfied in that and you want to build a business, then fine. Mm. But then there's also a lot of them that, you know, cats, you die alone. And I, 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 I even me, even me, I think as a man, I, I, like if I build a business and I didn't have anyone to share that experience with. Would you get pets? I, I think, <laughs> I, think I, I might die alone with cats. <laughs> I might die alone with cats. Uh, so does that sort of, um, I mean, can't always just take things from a financial perspective. It's not always about the money. Yeah, no. the money helps. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, the money can get you things that make you happy, but you have to decide, and uh, this is for the viewers at home, what, what will make you happy in life? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we say to ourselves, what do human beings need? And one of those things yeah. that's never put down as a need is general love and affection yeah. and a good level of sociability. And it's one of those things that people do definitely it's, need. It's the modernization of the Western world that's mm. kind of, I suppose, propagated mm. this movement because if you think about it, back when we didn't have grocery stores, mm. you'd had family businesses where, where women would be able to you know, freaking cook meals and mm. sell the meals and, mm. and do that. So it's this, it's this takeaway. And I really do feel even if we're just get, even getting off their way, mm. Benism, you, I do feel like there's a depolarization in the sexes. I, I think there's women are, are slightly more masculine and, and men are slightly more feminine. I think that's an interesting dynamic. It's, it's gone and fluctuated throughout history, and I think with every society, it's done that to a degree. Yeah. Um, what I would say to that is, isn't it interesting how we value, uh, you know, the pursuit of money and finances, particularly as a, as a more masculine quality, when I don't yeah. necessarily think that's always the case. Where no. We know that there are successful women out there. We of know course. that women do very well financially if, if they're smart about it. I yeah. think 
they should be neither taken as a masculine trait or a feminine trait, being good in uh, in financial matters anyway. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's it's a poor example, but I mean, women throughout history have always given something a little bit more meaningful and made a bit of money and profit from it, whether it be crocheting, whether it be designing, whether it be uh, structure, whether it be clothing and design, whether it be um, even you know medicine, other things of that nature. Women in finance and how they can profit from it and how they can benefit from it, I think is almost counterintuitive to actually third wave feminism. I, do, I think if I were, if I, if I've talked to women nowadays and a lot of them do not like third wave feminists speaking for them and they want to be treated I, as individuals. I just want to think it's a much better yeah, uh, way yeah. of thinking is treating everybody as an individual. I just want to, I want to clarify what we're distinguishing here is between first wave and mm. third wave feminism. Mm. First wave feminism being about the vote, mm. it's being about that so, equality. Society that function well. First wave feminism yeah. is more about equality. Third wave is more misandrous, mm. men hating, mm. and it's more about, uh, as from what I can see, especially from a lot of social justice warriors, mm. uh, this authoritative thing. It's not about equality anymore. It's about taking it away to a more dominant thing. Which is, hey, look, I, I'm. I'm neither here nor there on it because I, I believe in a society in which a person can subscribe to any ideology that they want to. Mm. But needless to say, I think it would be counterintuitive to not mention it at all. Mm. Yeah, it is, it is interesting to say that um, even the hierarchy by which social justice warriors adhere to, it's, it's interesting because you know, they say to themselves, oh, who's the most valued people and who yeah. are the most hated people? And it's just interesting that that occasionally fluctuates this and this under circumstances yeah 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 like that being said like i i was with someone um who was fully immersed into that Mm. and some of the things that they would say like for example when they'd be talking about how like oh that the top how many percent of people that are wealthier Mm. or this white man i'm sitting there going like yeah but like that's people who get up to the top People work you to get there. That's not because they're there because they were there. It's because you got to work to get there. I mm. personally don't know. Mm. Obviously, there are biases along the way. Oh, that, yeah. That's given. Yeah. But you know, people work to get to where they are. Mm. And then she also would go on about, like, for example, my culture. Mm-hmm. And then she would tell me how, like, you know, because of the certain way different cultures yeah. do different things. Can they I ask, then... was she a white chick? Or, or, yeah, she was. So did she actually like try and talk down to you, almost in in a, in a really passive aggressive kind of way? She like would. she knew better. That's what I would get. And yeah. the problem is, I would be really. I'd be accused what? of I'd be accused of mansplaining. I'm like, okay, you're saying I'm mansplaining. Are you being accused of mansplaining? And then she'll oh, be like, so can you woman explain? And she goes, new location. Hell <laughs> <laughs> we're back. We're back. Okay, George, now from where we left off, mm-hmm. you were talking about a friend of yours and how she was pulling you up for mansplaining. Mm. And can we, can we just yeah, get yeah, some more context like, I, was, I was I was explaining something. I think I don't know what I was explaining, and I was pulled up and she's like, Oh, you're mansplaining. I was like What's that? So mm. she explained it as it's a way you, you, you're you explaining to someone in a condescending way. And I was like, right. can you woman's play? Mm. And she's like, no, you can't woman's play. And I was like, we're yelling equality out here, but how is this supposed to? I don't know. I've, I've, I don't understand what man's planning is. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know how we can have a man's planning, but we can't have a woman's planning. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it, it's funny because it's almost like this kind of the fact that the term reverse racism like mm. I, I i obviously i i um black people can't be racist right mm. 
That's not even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Have reverse racism. Racism is racism. Right there we go. I, I heard. I heard it first. We heard yeah. it first, guys. Racism is racism. I, I think. Yeah, it's maybe she's just being condescending, and rather than you know admit some sort of debate that she yeah. was being condescending. Oh, oh she was. You, you were mansplaining to her, so she had to be condescending. And one thing I noticed as well is like when you're making like a valid point with someone mm. like this. When you're actually saying, when they're saying their point of view, you stay quiet and you listen carefully. But then when you're speaking to someone like this and you're making your point, they will, their emotions fluctuate. They get angry. They mm. cut you out and they don't let you finish. And I'm yeah. like, you haven't let me finish. You haven't let me point. And they get so angry. And I'm like, if you want to know someone who's got a succinct argument, look at, like, for example, when Jordan Peterson is saying his point. Mm. He, he will let you finish and he will let you speak. Then he'll say his point. Mm. But then you notice someone else who's not even researched or doesn't know. They get angry. They get emotional. They cut him off. They yeah. listen. It's like... That was oh, I've see. seen a lot of these interviews, and Larry can attest to this because he shared some of these videos with me. Interviewers will say, so you're saying X, Y, Z. So you're saying this and this, and they put words in your mouth and try and twist it. They, they attempt to validate their side of the argument without actually having to engage directly into the argument. It's a very interesting sort of little dynamic mm. that they try and do. It's a little thing of, like, I feel like they... They, they take what you say, they interpret it in their way, which is obviously not what you're saying fully, mm. but it's a negative way. Mm. And what they'll say is, you're, so you're basically saying this. So you will be like agreeing to it, but the thing is the way it's worded makes mm. you come off very... Whereas with Jordan, when he does it, he will, he, he says, so you're saying this, and he goes, mm. no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, and you'll say his point. And these little conversational cues is how they get certain people, mm. especially leaders, and when they're talking in politics. Mm. It's these little things, and that's how they get you. And then it's like, the way you express yourself is not fully... Like, you know, it's not fully who you are because someone's giving you biased questions. Like, when he gets asked questions, like, um, some questions will be asked, they're biased. They're questions which, when you answer, it makes you come off bad. But he's like, no, I don't like that question. It's like, for example, when he was asked, do you think that trans women are real women? And he said to him, I don't like that question. The way you're, an you're asking me that question mm. is going to make me basically come off as bad. But then again, you're also contradicting yeah. what you believe at the same time. The, the trans thing is interesting because it, it instills in the person who's being asked the question, mm. okay, I, for one moment in time, need to deny biological and genetic reality and appease to a person's pronouns. I need to say things politically correctly to the sense in which it's this is where accepted. It gets, this is where it gets incredibly complicated. How the hell are you supposed to read somebody's mind to know what their pronouns are if, if they never use their pronouns? That's it, that's it. Yeah, it's, it's like, um, it's really difficult when you like meet a certain person and it's like, do I have to ask you what's your name, what's your preferred pronoun? This is, and it's just kind of, it makes it a lot harder mm. to communicate with people and you, People say, are oh, you offended me indirectly? And it's just, it's really making it a lot more complicated just yeah. to have that general conversation. Yeah. With, oh. with, uh, with uh, politics, I know it's very troubled in, in Zimbabwe. Mm. I was just curious, do you have any memories of, of upbringing or, oh, sorry, I'm unaware, were you born and raised in Australia? Oh, I, or was, you? I was, I, I, I left Zimbabwe when I was three. Okay. And three. I went and I was okay. raised in New Zealand and then I came. So very, know, very much an Australian political kind of background in terms of your exposure. Yeah, so like, yeah. So Australia, New Zealand, that's basically why. Right. Okay. Like, that's kind of, I guess, what is it? Constitutional. Like, yeah. They call it. That's kind yeah, of, you know, absolutely. I was just, I was just curious because there's a lot of, obviously, with the Mugabe family, they're yeah. really strong handling yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But in Africa at the moment with that, there's like changes of power and it's like when you really ask like a lot of the older guys, they'll be telling you, it's been the same, it just changes, it fluctuates, it moves around, and it's like, you can't really see what's going to happen, and it's just, it's just a situation which is... Is it mainly whoever owns the military in that case, kind of owns the state, in a way? 
me to first on the I don't really know. All I know, quite frankly, is it's more so like um, for, with like with the last situation, it was more like there was one guy who's in power, and then there's his right hand man, and then his right man hand snipes and comes and takes it, and it's just you know, yeah, that kind of like back in the literal day, political like, infighting. Like yeah. like it literal becomes almost an assassination. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I become the leader, yeah. and then that, that leader has like, to look back. back with, like, yeah. Stalin. People like speak about like I remember someone speaking about Stalin. They're like, mm. oh, if you were to go back in time, and if you were to be Stalin, do you think you'd done any better? And people are like, oh. Of course, it's like it's not really like that purely because when you go into power, there's so much that's been there for ages. Mm. And if you want to come in and demolish certain things, that's like a price on your head. Yeah. So the reason why things happen like that is because Stalin came in and thought that, oh, this is going to be easy. But when he got in, his hands were kind of tied in what he could and couldn't do. Mm. And if he wasn't out there like executing all those people that he was killing, he was going to get killed himself. And that's just what it was like with him. Mm. And a lot of people say to you, you couldn't necessarily do, you could have done better, I guess, but it's just how it is. That's how I see like it may yeah. be going on in certain it's, countries. Where Stalinism is complicated because I know Larry knows a lot more mm. about this than I do. But mm. it, when it comes to Stalinism, mm. he, uh, he had this very structurist way of uh, depicting wealth mm. and having the Burgoys or bourgeoisie. the bourgeoisie, bourgeoisie, that's it, the, the plebs at the bottom, well, holding up mm. the, the elite class. Well, the Russian Revolution in and of itself is a complicated but interesting history. We started with... I'm guessing uh, you read Animal Farm. I have certainly have read Animal, Animal Farm. Farm. It's very much a, exactly almost word for word mm. example of what happened. And it's started off as Bolshevism and uh, Leninism and Trotskyism, where... Mm. These people were very creative and like, oh, well, this is how we're going to better people's lives and this is how we're going to do it and everybody will be a lot more better off sort of thing, which, is, you know, on paper, communism does appeal to a lot of people. It appeals to far too many people, probably, at age. I, I think, yeah, it like the idea and ideology of it sounds fine. It sounds like utopia, but mm. in implementation this of it, the problem with utopia, nobody really defines utopia yeah. that well. And the first person who yeah. does define yeah. utopia, which... My knowledge is, I think it's, the name escapes me, I think it's an English writer from way back back in medieval times. Mm. And this is at the point where it's like, oh, well, in order to really achieve utopia, everybody gets two slaves. Yeah. And it's like, well, wait a minute, everybody gets two slaves to do what? And it's like, oh, just to do the menial tasks that you can't do because you're part of this larger hierarchy. Yeah. That's a pyramid, basically. And it's yeah. Like, that doesn't exactly sound like equality to me. And it's, if that's what we're striving yeah. for with a utopia with communism, it's, it's just... It's, it's almost, if, if we almost went around the table mm. and asked our individual utopias, it'd be completely mm. different. Mm. My utopia is your health. Mm. It, it, could could it could be, it could be, it could be. I mean, Larry's utopia could be my health. I, I, I'm presuming it might be. Would it? Would <laughs> it? You'd, be, you'd, be, you'd, be, you'd be trolling me. Just, just you, know, you know, give me everything that you have. It will be there. No <laughs> it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, look, I mean, it's it's an interesting history, particularly as Stalin. I mean, there's literal photographs where he's surrounded with good friends, and then one friend disappears from next year's photograph, oh, and then no. another friend disappears from no. next year's photograph. And it's like the disappearing last supper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Every time they just kind of say he mysteriously disappeared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, was, he just left the country. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't go to Nuku. Like, you believe no, no, he no. never had a grandmother. <laughs> no, <laughs> but do you also believe with that, with like the reason why maybe like Trotsky's ideology wouldn't have worked or Stalin's ideology wouldn't have worked? Was another reason was because of um, human human nature. It is to an extent, it, yeah. Say it is. Human nature. As much mm. as we want this, mm. greed and things come over mm. us as humans, because we are all humans. Mm. Look, you we're all individuals at the end of the day. Um, look, 
a society functions because every individual gets to proceed to do what they want without mm. necessarily hurting somebody else too much. Which is why libertarianism appeals to me, yeah. It, it yeah. appeals to a lot more people now, but well, I certainly hope it does. Yeah, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, with, yeah, I think at the end of the day, human nature dictates what people do. Um, in a society, and you know, it sounds like a little bit of a meme, in a society, I like to think that everybody does have the ability to pursue everything that they want and what they need to their fullest. But unfortunately, you know, some people get too carried away with their wants, mm, and then yeah. they don't fulfil enough of their needs, and then they wonder why. Well, wait a minute, why am I broke as hell? I, I feel it's like, it's, well, man, it's you pursue very, too many of those wants. Is what very happens. funny <laughs> how you can indoctrinate mm. college campuses or university mm. campuses in socialism. It's very appealing. They're very poor. They become this in This is where it gets worse and worse. And, because and it, a lot of them don't know mm. historic socialism. They don't know the implications, the mass murderings, and the way in which a person imposed, and that's the key word, imposed mm. their utopia mm. upon mm. other people. Mm. With libertarianism, it's an individual's right to pursue what they want to do without affecting mm. another person. Mm in my mind, yeah. and that's the pursuit of liberty, mm. but but more to the point, yeah. You know, communism's just an idea at the end of the day, yeah. and in the real world, what's the funniest thing is, you know, Karl Marx's uh, grave, he's been dead for quite some time, you want to visit it? I, I wouldn't mind, let's... Well, guess what, it's going to be 15 bucks at the door, buddy. It's going to be 15 yeah, bucks. Yeah, that's capitalism. It's right on top of that communism, oh, right oh, there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I always find it funny that Bernie Sanders is like a millionaire off a book he's against capitalism. He's part of the 1% recently, <laughs> isn't he? According to hey, a recent, his hey, recent tax uh, yeah. returns, yeah. he's part of the 1%. Yeah, yeah. Georgie boy, Georgie boy, anything else that you're passionate about? Is there like a sporting event that you're just like, you, you watch? What are we getting excited what, what are you? What are you... Now, um, to be honest with you, like this is me at this point, I've actually took a step back from sports. I took a step back from even social media for a little bit of time. Because okay. I was just, I've kind of gotten that mentality where it's like, all of these things, they're like, you know, the things which you indulge in, which you watch. Distractions. Like, exactly, distractions. I'm just like, I'm at that point in my life where it's like, all of these things, you know, like my dad will say, if you're watching the sports, if you're enjoying it, you know, they're always talking about it. I'm like, I can honestly put all my focus and time into this. Like when you're in high school, I was like, I it should be more better off me taking my time and saying, instead of focusing on who won the game this weekend, as in, all right, cool, who's making movement in the stock market right now? Okay. Or, I don't know, this, this, this was just going on in the government. So, what, what does that mean for me mm. in future? I just feel like you really got to prioritize what you want out of your a life. A lot of people yeah, do that. I was just wondering what your mm. perspective. There's a growing trend of people mm. that I noticed that do this on uh, universities or, or professions. Mm. They'll keep Facebook Messenger, but they'll deactivate their accounts, mm. they'll block distractions out of their life. I, I know the benefits of this. Yeah. I'm sure Larry's done mm. this from time to time. Mm. I'm curious what your experience of that is. Is it is it blissful? Is it peaceful? Mm. Do you like it? What's what would you say a person for a person that's never tried? Okay. For a person who's it. never tried, I'll say first of all, if you want like to know where like I feel like a good information about it, no, go for a guy called Cal Newport. He's wrote the book, I think, Deep Work. And yeah, I think he was very, very big in um I think we used to work for Google or something, but he wrote a book about deep work and you know how people are so efficient getting work done. And he spoke about how him, because he didn't like the guy who created Facebook, him and him had a bit of argument, he never really was the one that devil into social media. And what I found from going, being someone who was always on it to then coming off of it, those first few weeks, I'm gonna be honest with you, it's like you're used to, you get this thing on your phone, it's like every time you think that you've got a message on your phone, you get to the habit of always looking at your phone thinking, I've got a message, sure. I've got a message. Sure. But then after a while, it comes, it becomes bliss, it does, because you're just now in this state where it's like, you know, 
I'm like, oh, you just focus more. You're doing like you'll be studying, mm. and as opposed to checking your phone, you know that there's nothing on your phone. You just kind of, it kind of takes away a lot of that beautiful because, flow state. Exactly, and also right. like because of like all the things you see on social media, all the different stuff, whatever, whatever. Because there's so much in our minds will travel to all these different areas. It really does like take your focus away from mm. what's really important. And yeah. when you do take all of these things out of your life. It kind of gives you the time to really think about all you'll be thinking about is yourself and it's like yeah. okay i'm putting this in perspective like if you were to ask me what's happened with cardi b or who is kim kardashian dating i wouldn't be able to tell you because i don't focus about these things yeah and then you see a lot of young people nowadays that's what they focus on oh who's having this what's happening this what's happening here or a lot of the sports i'm like it's cool you know it's entertainment you know it keeps mm. interested but in the general scheme of things the more we focus on all of these different things it takes you away from reaching the goal and for me i was someone who was doing that and it took me away from thinking about what's really important. I, it also comes back to kind of selective exposure to mm. culture. Because in a way, if you block a lot of things out, then I feel like you're more in control of what you're exposed to. Mm. Needless to say, if you are the one to select what you're exposed to, then you've got your own cognitive bias. Mm. But, say, I'd like to practice, you know, free will. But I mean, I don't want to get into but, an argument well, about free will or determinism uh, right now because I know Larry will pull me up on it. Yeah, pretty much. What I was saying is, like, even me, like, coming back now to it, I'm not very big on. I've only really got Instagram, which is kind of starting up mm. again. But what I will say is, when you're away from it, it is honestly good in terms of mm. getting your life into the and like knowing what you're going for. But one thing which I've learned about social media is you shouldn't be using it as a this is not going to be a hobby or this is going to be something which I do with my time and mm. I focus on. It should be something where, you know, if you want to make friends, you want to make connections. Yeah. That's what it's there for. Yeah. It's a tool. It's not a lifestyle. It's not something you do forever. It's a tool. That's what it should be. For right. me, I've gotten into the understanding of that. That's is a tool. So I shouldn't really, you know, base Brilliant. it on have yeah. you seen it. Have you seen recently the, uh, the, the, the uh, Instagram girl who basically did make it a lifestyle and now she, <laughs> I, she's I looking instantly with so regret now this, that uh, yeah. she doesn't have any real life skills and all she knows is Instagram. Do, do we take that as a cautionary? No, no, okay. Girl, is this the girl that was crying, right? Yeah, she's, she's oh, crying on it. Oh. So what had happened was oh. her Instagram had also, no, no, yeah. <laughs> Instagram had like deleted her account yeah. and then she was upset, she was crying about it. Mm. And I saw people commenting, telling her how she was entitled, she was this, she was that. And mm. I looked at it, first of all, my perspective was this. I've learned to take a step back and be like, look, oh, wait, no, everyone, no, everyone values Good. different things. So first of all, someone's doing what they're doing with their life. None of us have a right to say that she's entitled, mm. she's this, she's this, she's this. But what we can do take from her is take the lesson of this. Mm. Even though, like, you know, Instagram is great, because I've got friends that are on there, yeah. they're big on there. One of them to tell you is that, hey, it's great, you know, I'm networking, I've got all these friends and followers, mm. and I'm making all this stuff, but at the end of the day, unless you're pushing a product, or unless you're using it as a tool, mm. you get nothing from it. Yeah, so the team, problem man. with her was that it, she used it as emotional validation that because all these people are liking me, they like me, but it's not that, it's just... It's just someone one it's second this swipe, fake, know? false dopamine exactly. here that we mm. come back, yeah, like, exactly. lab rats to... Taste the freaking fruity water. It's the same when you gotta have that fruity water, man. Fruity water. You gotta. Hey, I mean, it's interesting again. You know, do, how much of a social influence do we have in other countries and other societies? Uh, say, for example, in Hong Kong, we can go back to. Yeah, it. sure. Okay, so just to, just to reframe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot of wealthy people in Hong Kong, and this. Chinese woman, I'm pretty sure, she had come into a large sum of inheritance and she focused on just becoming an Instagram influencer. Yeah. She sells luxury brand products. Now, she didn't have the emotional breakdown moment like the other Instagram influencer that we just talked about. But this elusive wealth status thing that's very enticing, 
is astronomical because she was living large. Mm. And I mean, because of the fact that one, she's wealthy, two, she, she's got a boyfriend that pretty much takes all of her photos, yeah. she is able to sell that dream to people. Yeah. Now, if I go on Instagram right now and I check someone's profile, they're not going to put up their worst, worst moments in time. Mm. They're going to put up the highlight, the highlight, the highlight. Therefore, if I post a picture of myself bawling at a club with models and, and champagne bottles and I just do that again and again and again, is that really all I do? No, I've got moments where I'm eating a burger and looking half dead. And the thing that is, what happens is... <laughs> <laughs> what happens what you're saying there is that's why like, a lot of people have a problem with it because it's like... It then because like in today's society everyone wants to do well and it's like when you're on social media you see all these people balling out money doing all these cool things and you're yeah. like why am I not people get jealous yeah. and upset by it but it's like dude that's only 10 yeah. percent of his life is it even 10 percent yeah. people think that that's what this person I, I, I imagine Bill Gates cries Bill Gates cries exactly. Warren Buffett cries Exactly. Does Zuckerberg cry? Yeah. Zuckerberg's not a robot, is he? He probably cries and then he probably electrocutes himself and just freezes out. He's crying a lot right now. He's crying a lot right now. I think all his ideas form through a little bit. Georgie boy, I have to ask you, where do you get this electric kind of motivational from? Like, I, I it's mm. this almost passionate thing. I don't know whether it comes back to any kind of spiritual drive that you've got. Is there... Is there an essence or something you can... In, in, is there I, ethos I, I want a little bit of it. It's an like, ethos. It's, it's, it's very magnetic, isn't it? It's, <laughs> yeah, very yeah, magnetic. it's pretty magnetic. I it's an ethos, man. What, what is it? it? What it is, is, is um, for me personally, it was... I, I've been through a life where like, I wasn't confident in myself. Like I went through high school, just mm. was very monotone. And I went through my life and I was like, you know, I was always trying to do things, nothing worked. And then once I finally hit the point where I was like, I've got to take control of my life, and I think that's when I started getting up on self-help and listening to this. I think it was the Rich Dad Poor Dad book, along with other self-help books, taught me that in life, it's like it's what you make of it, and you can do whatever. So whenever I speak to people now, and I go whatever, I've always wanted to be a motivational speaker because like yeah, I've had every time when I've got friends that are upset and whatever, I like, I like to read about psychology and things like that. And I'm just yeah. like I feel like a lot of people out here is like you're upset, you're things. I'm just like you just got to change the way you think. And I'm not perfect. I know I'm not yeah. perfect. No, I've no. accomplished nothing in my life. But I know for a fact the matter is because I'm always because of how I view the world, it's more of like I see everything as like there's an opportunity here or mm. I don't worry about that. I know what I'm focused on, I know what I'm doing, and it gives me energy. And when I'm talking yeah. to people, I love talking. It's one of my favorite things. It's to a do. very, very it's Gandhi. Gandhi. It's a very, it's a Gary Vaynerchuk kind of. Mm. It is isn't kind it? of like him. impulsive drive. We're, <laughs> we're we're gonna sell them. We're gonna obliterate our enemies. We're gonna. Slap we're gonna fight them at the beaches. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna do that. We're gonna like, do for that. For example, what also made it was I work in like sales, and so I work like you know, in the gas station. I guess I picked noticed, up on that gas was, station. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, one of my friends said, "You're really good at talking to people." And I was, "What do you mean?" So like we'd come in. So what you have to do is when a customer comes in, they buy something. You have to look on the bottom receipt and get them to give you a review. Some people do, some people don't. But the more like good, good reviews we get, it goes upstairs. So then what I would do is when people come in, I'll say, "Hi, how are you?" And I'll have a conversation about different things. Yeah. And I have this energy, and I've had so many people come up to me. They know by first name basis yeah. and they say dude you come and you have this energy you have this thing yeah. about you and you know you just talk to people and for me it's just yeah. I don't know it's just something which when I finally got that confidence and whatever I've just kind of I'm just kind of passionate about everything mm. yeah I know what you mean I, I experience mm. oh, the only thing I can experience that's got your level of intensity personality are really excitable Christians or anyone that's really passionate about anything because no I've been I've been within a Christian church and I I, I like Many Christian people, yeah. and they're very, they're very alive, you know. They're very alive. They're very alive. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I don't know if he's in. He's uh, he's on. He's on. Um, I think YouTube is uh, he does podcast. He's very inspirational. His name's Eric. 
Thomas, I think he is. He's, uh, he's very big in motivation. Oh, yeah. Eric he's, Thomas, yeah. He's one yeah. of my idols in the sense that mm. one day I would like to be like him because he came from nothing and he made something of his life. Yeah. And what I like about him is he's brutally honest, but he's motivational about it. He'll tell you that, look, I came from nothing and you know what? What I've achieved in my life, no one who I grew up was able to achieve that. But you always, he never looks back and says, oh, this is good enough, so I'm going to stay here. He's mm. always striving to push forward. Yeah. forward, forward. Yeah. And when I listen to him and the energy that he has, mm. he, he believes fully in what he's saying. Sure. And my energy comes from also because of what I say most of it, I believe it and I'm like, this is yeah. what I believe. Yeah. This is what yeah. I see my mindset. And if someone comes in though and sort me and tell you what you're doing, so I'm like, you know what, that's your opinion. But Fair I'll enough. still have my mindset, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, and the thing is me, I'm always open for criticism. La- Larry, Larry wants to, um, I think you wanted to come back to the whole mm. self-help thing. Yeah. Yeah, right? With uh, whether it is self-help or not. Do, do you came to that eventual conclusion. I mean, sure, you might have gotten it from outside sources, mm. but do you think it was a lot of a belief in yourself and then being zealous about that belief in yourself that really pushed you to have the uh, personality that you have now, the, the sort of confidence uh. that you have? Do you think confidence is something everybody can have? Or yeah. do you think... Is it, is it almost like we're uh, it's under the surface? Mm. I suppose what the question we're getting to is, is, is that authentic self or the sense of self mm. just uh, a motivational book away or, or, or an aspirational moment away? To, you had to come to a point where you said to yourself, I want to change. Am I right? Yeah, it was. It was like a, it was a mixture of you know coming around, but when it was for me, it was last year. I had, mm. I fully failed. Like I literally was at the lowest point in life. It was mm. a really bad year for me last year. Yeah, but in all of the negatives that happened last year, I grew up a lot mm. and I now developed. Mm. And I got to the point. That's when I read the subtle art. That's when I read the book. But mm-hmm. what I came to was the point of like you know I was like I'm tired of always losing, not things working out. Yeah. And then was I read the book and like you know you read these things. When you come to that point where you finally like you know what I myself believe that. I want to grow, I want to do better. What happens is when you give yourself this information, you're learning, you know all of these things, these things kind of start to stick to you and you start to understand them and you, when they explain them to you, you have to have this thing inside you where you've got to have that within yourself as like, look, this is who I am, accept yourself, know who you are, this is who I am, these are my flaws, this is whatever. Once you yeah. fully accept yourself, when you come out to people now, you then have this kind of, I have this kind of energy now. And now it's like I'm a lot more confident in myself mm. and I'm a lot happier than I used, yeah. used to be purely because I had to kind of build myself up. Of And yeah. self-help, what it is, is, is more so, it's not about just giving these words. Some mm. people can take just words and leave it, which mm. is what I started yeah. with. Then. But you have to take that but on board. Exactly, honest. you have to yeah. take it on board and you have to understand that he's not telling you this because it's like some formula to make you feel better. Yeah. It's You've got to listen to what I'm giving you. But and you've then also got to apply it yourself. It. Yeah. Exactly. And you've yeah. got to own it yourself and say, look, this is what he said. He's explained to me why this works. So now yeah. own it. And once you own it and once you mm. put that in your life, you know, you go up. Like me, one thing I learned was if you want something, you always you always get it. And yeah. what you envision for your life is mm. what happened. Yeah. So for example, every time people ask me, oh, what do you see for yourself in the future? I'm always just thinking, I don't know where I'll go. But because of reading Rich that Poor Dad, I always sure. see investments, oh. business, something mm. along the lines of money. I don't want to ever have to worry about finance, even though you know, yeah, things go yeah. along. But I always have that vision oh, in my mind. I was just curious, yeah, Larry, what was your take on that? So you, you're always very curious about finance and where mm. you might not necessarily have a, an end goal in mind. Mm. You, you take every day as it comes, I imagine, yeah. and that's a good way to live, mm. um, from my perspective anyway. Yeah. Do, do you think you yourself would love to be able to retire? And do you think that's a realistic goal for people of our age group? I mean, I'd we've had this kind of conversation before yeah, on the we podcast. Have, we have. Um, we, we, we argue that because the baby boomers have kind of squandered the amount of opportunities that yeah. they've had, that millennials might not have the opportunity to retire mm. if they don't save and invest wisely. Because mm. when it comes time for them to retire in their 80s and 90s, I mean, what do you want, 10 years? Mm. Or however long with medical advancements? 
Yeah, it's, it's mm, what you're saying is because me always thinking I was like by 30 or by 40 I was like you know retirement but I think people but I think with it as well it's more so because of the way we're going now you can't just expect that I'm gonna go I'm gonna have that nine to five and then I'm gonna work and then because back in the day it was all my parents said it was more of you finish you know you finish school get that job benefited there and you know you're kind of good for whatever but then yeah. with the way we're shifting now it's the same reason why I think I'm not sure if it's China but 20% of the population now I think they're like millionaires whatever mm. it's because I think they're having their shift from it it's not all about having that nine to five that nine to five time is slowly you know I mean it's moving towards it's not about like having that job it's all about you got to be earning more you got to be yeah. getting more and you got to get to not more so such as an investor's mindset mm. but a mindset of you know gaining that money and yeah. back in the day it was easy of just you could honestly like finish in uni 21 spend your money crazily and just get a job with benefits and your mm. kind of good mortgage and that will set up so yeah. the average person at a house whereas now because anyone can do it, we're moving to a stage where it's a lot more fast-paced. There's, there's, no, there's no lifetime career jobs anymore. Exactly. I think no. that's what we're getting no, to. So a lot of people move yeah. around in different jobs. Yeah. So, these, you know? Where do you see yourself, I guess, uh, working? I mean, you're a very intelligent man. Mm. I, mm. You certainly know what you're talking about. Mm. Probably more than I would ever know. <laughs> I mean, finance is, is fine, but I mean, I can't just keep looking at numbers all day long. Just, <laughs> yeah. uh, do, yeah. do you see yourself doing more than just one dot necessarily, or is every opportunity something worth jumping on? Because I hear that a lot, um, that's, a, that's a good way to live your life, is mm. to jump on every opportunity yeah. that's available, yeah. and basically cast the widest net that you're possibly able to, to get that net gain that you have. Yeah. I think me, it was, um, it was because like growing up, I think with like money, and when you come from, a lot of people who come from like African cultures, money is something which you know, you've got family back home, yeah. and you just kind of see, feel like you're not really doing enough unless you know you've got money. So for me, the main essence isn't about, you know, making all a lot of money just for the sake of it. It's more so like, I'll have a job that I'll get. When I finish my course, if I decide to invest, I'll have like a job. But the main essence of investment is money is so that at least I'm comfortable enough to where I can work, mm. but I've got money on the side where I can look after the family. I can say, you know what, I don't feel like working this year. Yeah. Let me go travel. Let me have the freedom to go and do what I'm passionate about, which sure. is motivational speaking. Sure. It's more so, so I have that base and security of saying when I hit 30, I don't have to be at a job because I've now got a kids in the mm. family. I can be like, the money is already there for me. It's not just a matter of actually having time, a lot more time with my children instead of yeah. having, where well, you're working and you don't see too much. Yeah. Engaging with them, mm. being a little bit, you know more, because I feel like yeah. the main essence of all of these guys I tell you is, you, what you want to do is you want to have passive income, a lot of yeah. income coming in so you can, so this whole thing of having to have a job kind of disappears yeah. and you can focus on what you're truly passionate about. I was about. curious, just, just on that. Mm. Is there a limit cause, to money? Because mm. I feel as though the greatest social impact you want to leave behind for generations that go after you really does depend. Because if you want to become a billionaire, that you can be able to make a greater social impact, arguably. But just even this engagement here, we'll learn from this experience and we'll all grow stronger because of it and become more refined persons. And I'm just curious, is do you have a number in your head? Do you... If given the correct circumstances and the way in which your hard work, vigor, and work ethic would go, do you foresee a, a set amount? And I suppose what I'm really trying to ask is how much social change or, or good would you like to leave behind? Me, with that one, it'll be more of like I have the idea of as I grow, as I older i want to be able to be at a point where like i can retire let say like 30 40 is the aim retire mm. somewhere there and have at least enough money where my family you know everyone's looked after mm. but i've also got a lot of money that's there for me to okay. get you know and one thing i believe from um who was it i think it was the seven like habits of highly effective people begin with sure, the end Stephen of Covey, yeah. so obviously like i don't know i'm a bit vague but with me i wanted you says when you get to your funeral 
people are going to remember me as a good dad, as a good person, mm. but what do you want to leave on this earth? And that for me kind of left me saying, you know what? It's always good to make money, you know what I mean? You'll have money, but I do also want to leave like something on this mm. earth, whether it be yeah. a shift, even if I change one or two people, just something which I know could potentially, you know, lead to something big. Mm. Like, yeah. I know a lot, of, a lot of people from reading, like, I think it's the... The power of habit. Yeah, sure. Um, they tell you that a lot You're of like wearing like a book list in this <laughs> yeah. in this one, don't we? Really? The way we're putting this all in the description. We might as well. We might as well. Just an Amazon wish list. Amazon. We'll, Amazon, we'll <laughs> sure. get that. We'll get those hyperlink. Yeah, man. Hyperlink. We should definitely. A lot of these books I've read, and like the way they will tell you is like a lot of the way a lot of these people influence people hmm. is by habits, and habits are actually so important. I didn't realize that, hmm. and I'm like. If you really want to make like a big change, I feel like it's all about changing that little habit. And if you change the habit a little bit, you can then work. Obviously, it's a lot more complex, but yeah. by shifting those habits and the way we think with you and like, like I said, with the way you're taught about money, if you want to know why, mm. like, for example, people say, oh, for instance, like certain people are rich or they're always rich, they get richer. Or like, for example, the Kardashians are rich. Sure. Obviously, how they got up there is whatever, but like they make more money because you're taught. What because they know what it's like to be rich, I guess, tall, different ways. Do you think that's the important element of studying human psychology so it benefits you rather than necessarily, not necessarily benefiting the person you're examining or observing sort of thing? So you study people's behaviour, mm. obviously. Mm. What are some habits that you would say yeah. uh, you've learned well, from observing other people? Or do you yeah, use habits it, it that you've could, It could be the, the Kardashians or otherwise. I, I feel as though I've learned something from that yeah. empire. Mm. That empire, mm. now, whatever you make from reality television, mm. now, it could, it may or may not, subject to interpretation, be quality or not quality writing. What I'm going to say on it is that what they've keyed into is the fact that people are fascinated with what people go on about. Mm. The gossip, who's wearing that, who's exactly. wearing Gucci this, mm. that, that watch, and they understood that. They understood the homogenised script that they needed to produce to keep everyone coming back for the drama. Mm. For the drama, 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 drama. And Does drama appealing. sell? It seems to. Does bad behaviour sell? Is, oh. That's what I want to know. The thing is, because like, like, as you know, any publicity is good publicity mm. in today's day and age. Yeah. But with them, I feel like it was more of a point of, we've got this TV show. Well, you see a lot of people where like, they get all this and their children mm. kind of go down. Whereas them, they're like, well, we've got this. We've got all this money. Yeah. We've got all these people who know us, right? And sure. people idolise them. Mm. They then use the badge and say, okay, cool. Let me start putting out makeup because you know they're modern, whatever, and they basically targeted their audience and whatever, whatever due to what they got. That's how I feel like they've mm. made the money. But people will say, "Oh, they were giving the hand." Sure. Yeah, you know what? Maybe that little step up was handed like Donald Trump, who got like a massive loan from his dad. But the principles that these people have on money, yeah, they've got because they're around. Yeah. Like when you're around wealthy people, you learn these. Wealthy he didn't principles, squander it. Bro. He didn't squander that inheritance. And things he felt if he did. His he dad got after. a little bit worried about him. He said, "You know, exactly. don't go to New York and invest in real estate. There's a whole bunch of sharks there, and I don't think you can." I mean, what's inspirational in one regard for Donald exactly. Trump anyway is that he said, "Well, look, I know it's bad, and I know it's risky, but I'm going to take that risk anyway." And he took that risk, and, and he was like, "He's well, failed multiple times, but at least he's come back on his feet." Yeah. The reason he set up is just because those principles are like still finance. there. Yeah. You're taught them from a young age. You know what I mean? They're not they necessarily know. all just about finance mm. either. You can apply them to other aspects mm. of your life as well. I was just going back to what you were about to. I'm pretty sure we were about to make this point, Larry. Is what's promoted in pop culture, is it necessarily good or bad? Is it the image to which we should be buying into 100% of the time? Because we've got rap culture, we've got baller lifestyle, we've got things that are celebratory, mm -hmm. but are they sustainable life habits? Probably not. I mean, look, I, I like to think that I could celebrate every now and again, have a bit of a party, but 
there's a limit to it, right? There's got to be more to life than just having those kind of things, and there's got to be more to life than just making money. But, I mean, money needs to help you pursue those sure. things in life that sure. you want to pursue. And well, one thing I will say with this point there, which is good also, mm. is also that, you know, like, um, the whole baller mentality, for example, you know who Drake is, right? Yeah. How yeah. he lives his lifestyle. A lot of these guys will be attracted to his lifestyle, and they think that, you know, oh, they believe in this whole figure to make it. I feel like the influence that Drake has, if you take given it, but with the right, like, mature mentality, mm. it can be a lot. Like, for example, mm. a priest in the UK, he drives a Lamborghini. Mm. What he does is he takes boys who are in gangs in the UK and tells them, come to my church. And what they're taught is how to run businesses, how to be entrepreneurs. Yeah. And he, they see the pastor pull up with Lamborghini and says, this could be you mm. if you do this. Yeah. And because there's a lot of money and because boys see all these things, they're like, well, what do I yeah. do right there? And then it brings them this idea of all these, these things here which make you mm. money. And then they start learning, Oh, okay, so there's trading, there's this, this. Let me get into this, and then you get in and you fail, and it's like, oh. But then the thing is, it brings their minds towards that, and then it builds them. But then with a lot yeah. of these guys, they didn't think that, oh, if I fake it, or it depends on how they interpret it. Do you think what we've been talking about is basically how do we better ourselves as, as men? How do we do sure. pursue more of what we are as men, and how do we pursue it well? Hmm. So do we say to ourselves, you know, is there something absent from society nowadays I or think are we sort of just this is very interesting mm. i feel to a large extent a lot of youtubers jordan peterson a lot of masculine i suppose not i don't like to use the word dominant but dominant <laughs> figures sure dominant yeah. figures predominant predominant figures yeah. sure we use that is they have an appeal to young men in a day and age where the household and the family unit is capitulating in a way. I think it's I, It more... might not be as deep as that, but I do feel like there is a longing for, for someone to look up to, I for someone to be inspired all by. All we have to do is just say masculine, and to a degree, even now, just masculine. Just saying the word, everybody sort of conjures up yeah. just negative aspects. Yeah, especially with the Gillette ad. There's yeah. toxic masculinity, masculinity apparently. It's just like, well, let's... <laughs> There's just masculinity. There's not. It's not all good no, aspects. Yeah. Everybody has flaws. Mm. It depends on who you are. As You're an right. Individual. Masculinity like is neither good or bad. Mm. It just is well, what it is. Femininity is not it, good or bad. bad. It, it is, is what it is. is. Exactly. I think also with that as well, especially with these guys who are mm. high up. Another thing I've noticed about them is the reason why so many young men, especially like me, I appeal to is because when because of the way we grow up now. Yeah. Obviously, like back in the day, we didn't have. Your social media, you grew up, so you saw what your dad did, and then yeah. what your dad did is what you followed. Yeah. You go through the traditions of becoming a man and whatever yeah. and whatever. With these guys, they kind of bring it back to that because, being honest, structurally that works. Yeah. I'm sorry, but it works. But with that as well, they kind of say, I'm going to give you this structure which, you know, which works, but also I'm going to give it to you, I guess, in, in a way to kind yeah. of get it into today's society. Because today's society has shifted so much mm. in the way of roles yeah. and sort of stuff. And yeah. it's like, let me take you back to the name, the main, main, mm. main root of what we've had from back in the day. Mm. But let's not try and apply it to, to this, today's modern society. Mm. Yeah. And that's what I like about Jordan Peterson, especially when he goes on. It about is very, it's very interesting. Because mm. like, if you look at human prehistory mm. and the way in which we were used to be just leaders of tribes, mm. we'd go out and hunt, mm. come back, be exhausted, let the family eat whatever mm. we'd hunted for the mm. day. You could argue within like the last... 100 or 150 years that the rate of innovation the way in which the modern world has been formed perhaps masculinity in a way is is i suppose needing to adapt to an extent to the extent that we're not barbarians by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I have a pleasure absolutely. having George on, on no, podcast. Yes, it has, <laughs> really it has been a pleasure. Right, right, right. 
of it's, this energy, um, man. It's just like, I'm it's like, impulsive. Wait, it is impulsive. Look, look, it's good to th hear. Thank you guys for watching once again. We've got a description in the link below mm -hmm. for donations. We'll uh, leave a description in the link below for George's Instagram. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk about a vast majority of topics, uh, ranging from business to motivation to finance to all kinds of self-help. It's been really great. <laughs> Larry, who have we got on the show next? Who have we got on the show next? It's going to be Alex Messenger, but I mean, we've got to have that nice little uh, podcast. Just That's it. And we have the Global Recap coming mm -hmm. up next. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, guys, and mm -hmm. good night.